0: peace everybody welcome back to another episode of behold pop culture the show where we take a look at some prominent people figures and events in pop culture today and in the past and try and see what lessons we could take away from them the date of this recording is friday september 4th and this week i know a lot of people began school So I hope that everything is going well with that. Everyone pretty much is attending Zoom University. So I hope that that's been a better experience than people expected it to be. Today we have a decently long list of topics to get to, so I'm going to dive right in with something that I definitely did not expect to be talking about. Today, the topics are going to be a little bit out of order because some breaking news was coming left and right this past week. And of course, today I'm going to begin with our film topic, discussing the late, great Chadwick Boseman. For anyone unfamiliar, Chadwick Boseman was a prominent American actor who was most known for his role in the chart-topping movie, Black Panther. But beyond that, he was a philanthropist, a great actor, someone who was idolized by many people. He was undeniably a very well-known piece of pop culture today. His discography included 42, the movie about Jackie Robinson that received great critical acclaim, Black Panther, as aforementioned, his role in several of the Avengers series, Marshall, 21 Bridges, most recently The Five Bloods. His his roles are always memorable, and I've never heard any backlash. I've never heard anyone criticize his roles in those movies. And outside of that, I would frequently see him interacting with children, trying to inspire other people. He went back to his alma mater, Howard University, and gave a great speech about just learning from all the experiences you have in life. So the entire pop culture world of the world, period, I'm sure was shocked when Friday, August 28th, we received the news that Chadwick Bozeman had passed away from a colon cancer, something that he effectively hid from all of his fans. And it just, in a moment of transparency, It made me think about the way we view death. I know that this past two years, really starting with Nipsey Hussle, we've been on a streak of prominent black men in popular culture passing away unexpectedly at young ages. But with Chadwick Boseman, I think something that stood out was in terms of the more prominent figures we've seen pass away He was the first one where I had to sit back and feel like he was ready for it. As the story started coming out that his family was prepared for it, they had known about this for multiple years, he did seemingly the impossible, putting out these great performances while having colon cancer. And as I thought about that, sadness is really the default emotion to feel when someone that you have any type of connection with passes away. But as I heard that he was able to be comfortable at home with his family around him and let them know that he was ready to pass on, I honestly didn't feel the same wave of sadness that maybe more generally people felt. I was overcome with, a gratefulness, a sense of appreciation for what he did with his life. We all know that death is promised, but it hits a little different when we know that Chadwick was prepared for it. I think that specifically with the other prominent death this year, Kobe Bryant, what made his death a little bit more impactful in terms of invoking negative emotions associated with it was the fact that, one, he seemed perfectly healthy and looking on to a greater part of his life. And of course, the people on the plane with him, rest in peace to them, especially his daughter Gianna. But I think that what made it a little bit different was the spontaneousness of it for him, not necessarily for us. Anytime that a celebrity passes away, it's going to seem somewhat spontaneous to us unless they die in their old age. So somewhat selfishly, we're going to feel bad that we're losing someone who could give us great moments, great feelings, all these great memories, this nostalgia. But when the celebrity themselves is experiencing something spontaneous, especially a spontaneous death, I think a lot of us feel that as well. We feel that moment of fear that they likely felt but Chadwick contributed to what I believe might be a better way to view these transitions seeing that he was able to pass away with his family around him I have little doubt in my mind that that was exactly what he asked for and I could imagine him passing on happily Everyone's going to want to be here for as long as they can, see their kids go, see their family go around them, contribute more to the world. But there's a sense of tranquility, a sense of peace when you're ready to move on on your own terms. And I'm glad to hear that Chadwick was able to move on on his own terms. So a little bit more selfishly here, I loved every film that I've seen him in. And I am beyond grateful for what he contributed to not only my life, but clearly millions of lives as the outpour came out, especially the youth. I've seen a lot of children making their own little videos, whether it's having a little tribute to them, putting up their symbol for Wakanda forever. It was just a delight to see this felt like a more happy passing, a bit of a relief All things considered with the history of deaths we've been experiencing in the past year. So I just wanted to end this little segment, this little tribute to Chadwick by thanking him. Rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Your impact will be far from forgotten. I think a lot of people are going to rush out to buy his Blu-ray movie so they could just have a physical copy. He was the first Prominent black superhero that we've seen in cinema. That Black Panther movie had people lining up down the block, around the corner, all the way down the way for months. And that could never be forgotten. That was a moment in pop culture that should be talked about forever. As many children, especially, I felt it too, but I knew it was something special for children to see someone who looked like them be the superhero and the supervillain to be honest it was something special to see a superhero movie dominated cast wise by black people and you could go into the semantics about any qualms you have in the movie but just seeing a black superhero that fact alone is what we should remember as being one of the most important pieces of his legacy so again Thank you, Chadwick. Rest in peace. I hope your family is doing well. I send my condolences and positive energy that direction. And I know that all of us fans will never forget what you did. And with that, we'll move on to the music section of the podcast where this last week, there wasn't any particularly moving projects to come out or songs for that matter. So rather than digging a little deeper and giving you some underground information, I chose to come here today and give you some a little bit too early perspectives on some music that came out today. And I'll begin with a song that I don't think anyone knew was supposed to come out today. Prominent record label Top Dog Entertainment. At It seemed like 8 or 9 p.m. last night announced that they will be releasing SZA's first song in about three years now announced that they will be releasing a song from SZA, a highly anticipated artist, considering that her last album was, in my opinion, one of the best albums that came out that year. So they announced that she was dropping, and I think all of her fans went up in arms. They were ready. They wanted to see what was coming. So I thought, of course I'm going to listen to this. I want to hear what she's going to do here. Is it just going to be a song? Is it going to be an entire event? Because she released a picture prior to dropping the song. And I have to say, she delivered masterfully. She dropped this song hit Different." featuring Ty Dolla Sign, and at first I listened to the song only on audio, and I was impressed. It was SZA, she's back at it again, Ty Dolla Sign with a great feature on the hook, and I had no complaints, and then I turned to my timeline and find that there was a video that accompanied it. I rushed to YouTube to see what was going on over there, and I was impressed once again. SZA not only delivered with a great song, but the choreography in her video, the way it was filmed, the different scenes, the different auras, the different colors, it hit different, to be honest. She came back and gave exactly what people were looking for. She showed us why so many people were begging for her return. So she delivered with great singing, great choreography, great dancing from her and the people around her. And she looked great. She's one of those artists that I always give credit for having what I'll consider spiritual drip. But she definitely knows how to dress. And everything just came together for a colorful, memorable video and a song that she performed particularly well on. And the only takeaway from that is we have to look forward to her album. I think that in our culture, we've started to question how long relevancy lasts. When we have so many artists that come and go, we start to question, do you have to be frequently putting out music to remain relevant? But again, as several artists before have shown, and SZA once again is showing us, if you put out quality content, and genuinely form a connection with your fan base, they'll come back. That was clearly shown as SZA was able to come back and do the same type of numbers with this song and, of course, put up a great performance. So I wanted to give props to Scissor with the unexpected release before I dive into the real album that I was looking forward to this Friday. Big Sean's new album, Detroit 2. Big Sean, the Detroit rapper that was suffocated by the stardom of Kendrick Lamar and J. Cole, frankly, throughout his career. He was ushered in by Kanye West on his label, Good Music, and was essentially treated like a prodigal son. Eminem is the heir to Detroit in terms of how people view their rappers in popular culture. But Big Sean was there to take the torch. And though he had more than enough moments to show his talent was there. He really only had one project that teetered on the line of being a great album. And that was Dark Sky Paradise. With, in a moment of honesty, a shaky catalog, a shaky discography with forgettable projects. His next one came after a long pause and moment of reflection for him. Big Sean retreated into his home to not only master himself spiritually, but musically as well. He rebuilt connections with his family. He killed narratives, especially a big narrative for Big Sean was that he had problems with Kendrick Lamar. And he revealed recently that He made a call to Kendrick Lamar and killed all of that. In a culture where beefing, in a culture where having problems with other rappers is encouraged and having these diss battles become moments for our culture, he chose instead to kill all of that and just put out positive energy towards those who felt like he had an issue with them. So in these moments of mastering himself and the people around him spiritually, he came back refreshed, recharged, ready to show us what he's been working on. And it might be too early to say this because, again, this is Friday, so I haven't even had a full day to digest the album, but I think this is Big Sean's best project by far. For several reasons, one of which being it's clearly his most reflective album. He has a diversity of tracks ranging from love songs to lyrical songs to club songs to great features. He doesn't have the largest fan base, but from what I've seen, he more than satisfied their expectations, which, again, couldn't have been too high considering his history. So with a a bar that was somewhat lower set for him to surpass, I think he showed us what we were looking for. He showed his talent and lyricism, but, but had depth in his songs. He's teaching the lessons he's learned, not only in the music industry, but in his time meditating. He's teaching about health, how he dealt with mental issues and overcame them. And he just comes with the lyricism that was missing in hip-hop music today. In a time where artists like Kendrick Cole, again, I, I hate that I have to mention them so much, but they are his peers. In a time where their lyricism seems like a breath of fresh air, he matched that energy and came with great lyrical performances on this one hour and 11 minute album. So Big Sean was not only able to prove himself with great performances, but he recruited his partner, Janae Aiko, for several songs. He had a feature that I know would have been a highly coveted, rest in peace with Nipsey Hussle, where he delivered. He had Travis Scott appear on several songs, Diddy, just several great features one of the features that may go a little bit lesser known in popular culture was he had Hit Boy produce. He had Hit Boy make an appearance who, again, did a great job. He's starting to make a real name for himself as one of, if not the best, producer of this time. And I think this is a good time to just mention some notable tracks here. As aforementioned, the song Deep Reverence with Nipsey Hussle. He has a song called Harder Than My Demons. With a great beat and great performance from him. His song Lithuania with Travis Scott and my favorite song. And I know this isn't a song with much replay value because it's 10 minutes, but he has a song called Friday Night Cypher where he assembled the Avengers of Detroit. He brought all the great prominent Detroit artists together with seemingly 100 people in the song. They all got off of this song. They all performed well. He had a great verse and it ended with two now older legends of Detroit, Royce the Five Nine and Eminem, who also got off. So overall, I was impressed with this album. I'm going to have to sit with it for a little while longer before I form a, a full opinion on it. But I definitely wanted to take some time to give some props to Big Sean as well for doing his thing here and putting up a great performance and showing again, I will always preach this as I did with Scissor. quality always peers through. Yes, there are hoops you have to jump through to become prominent in the music industry. But we've seen time and time again that these artists, we're seeing Sean just did it, Scissor just did it, Kendrick is preparing to do it, These artists can take hiatuses once they establish the quality of their sound. So if any artists are listening to this, so if any artists are listening to this, so if any artists are listening to this, quantity is great. Quantity is important. Being top of mind is an underrated facet. And this stretches across not just music, but any form of professions that invoke some form of marketing. Being top of mind is an underrated position to have. However, being top of mind strictly because of your quantity ultimately will result in severe backlash. Whereas being top of mind because you are releasing something of high quality, whether it's having a quality performance, having a quality song, a quality graphic, a quality movie that stretches across so many genres, But having that quality in addition to reaching a large amount of people will always win in the end. That's why we see our favorite directors, our favorite artists. They can take four or five years on their project, but because they've established such a streak of great output will line right up for them. If you, the listeners, think about anyone in the entertainment realm that you're a fan of, I am sure that if they were to say I'm stepping away for two to three years to focus on a new project coming out, movie, music, game, whatever it may be, you'll be there when they come back and you'll definitely check out what they're working on because they've built a sense of trust, a relationship of trust between you and them. So that will allow me to wrap up the music section to the podcast and transition to the sports section where it has been an eventful week for basketball, to say the least. Just to quickly knock out the more quick bite sections, the Lakers eliminated Portland as expected. The Clippers eliminated Dallas. Maybe not as expected per se, but I think going into the series, most people thought that Kawhi and Paul George would be too much for just Luka Doncic, even though... Credit to Luca, he had a great performance. And the Bucks tied up their loose ends and eliminated the Orlando Magic. But that brings us to the more eventful side of what's been happening where we had two game sevens occur in the first round. We had Jamal Murray versus Donovan Mitchell, the Denver Nuggets versus the Utah Jazz, where No one knew who was going to win. And one of the more rare feats in the history of basketball, we had a player on each team put up multiple 45-point-plus, really 50-point games and just have phenomenal performances. And as they came to clash in this much-anticipated Game 7 and honestly an unexpected Game 7, The game was rough, people were missing, people were diving on the floor, but in the end, Donovan Mitchell had a chance. He had a chance with the ball in his hands at the end of the game, and he turned it over. And as I'm watching on the edge of my seat, I'm just cringing as I could only imagine what he's feeling. And the Nuggets run down the court with 10 seconds left at the end of the game, and They take a layup and miss. They miss the layup. My eyes are wide as I see the Utah Jazz get the rebound, pass the ball to Mike Conley, run down the court, and he takes a shot, a shot that will win the game if he makes it. This shot would immediately move them on to the next round. I see Donovan Mitchell staring up. I imagine with his heart beating out of his chest, And the ball goes in and out. Yes, it rolls down halfway into the rim. It rolls out. And Donovan Mitchell collapses to the floor just in awe. Tears coming out of his eyes and I I couldn't help but feel for him. That was a, a wild ending to this one of the best series I've seen in a long time. And credit to every player on both sides. This was a crazy series. Definitely credit to Donovan Mitchell, who with tears in his eyes would go into the press conference and say, no matter how bad he's feeling, it doesn't feel as bad as the families that have been losing members over this tough time. So that was definitely a delightful series. I enjoyed that. And it seemed like Christmas as the NBA spoiled us with another great series, OKC versus the Houston Rockets. As the Thunder forced a Game 7 against the Rockets and had all the momentum going for them. And in another gritty Game 7 where we saw great performances from random players, Lugens Dort, I doubt anyone listening to this has heard of him unless you watch that game. Dennis Schroeder, another lesser-known player, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, someone who I believe has a prominent future ahead of him, was performing well in this series. Even though he defaulted to Chris Paul in the times in the clutch, I'm sure he learned a lot, and his stock is rising. So in the Game 7, again, we go down to the wire. The Rockets were up, and Chris Paul puts up a great clutch performance until... The last two minutes where Westbrook and Harden didn't do anything particularly notable for the entire game. They were somewhat pedestrian as the other players on the Rockets picked up the slack. And at the end of the game, it was some of the most sloppy basketball you'll ever see as people were missing, falling, tripping, turning over the ball. So at the end of the game, they're down by one the Oklahoma City Thunder. Chris Paul, who's been arguably the most clutch player. This has been the most clutch team the entire year. He has the ball in his hands. He calls in isolation with 12 seconds left. He drives. He passes it to Shea Gilgis Alexander. Shea makes an attempt to drive. They clog it up. And he makes a great pass to this undrafted rookie, Lugens Dort, who had been making all of his shots, he has 30 points. And I expect him to shoot this shot, go up by two against the Houston Rockets. But that's not at all what happens. He rises up to shoot this shot, and out of nowhere, out of nowhere, James Harden, a player that throughout his career has been Harshly criticized for his lack of defense, blocks Lugen's door in what seemed to be maybe the most unexpected play that we've ever seen. Maybe one of the greatest plays in playoff history. He blocks Lugen's door and pretty much seals the game as the ball not only is blocked but it goes off of Lugen's door out of bounds and Houston recovers the ball. Oklahoma would have another chance to win the game, but I'm not sure what their coach drew up. <laughs> but Shade alexander who had the ball out of bounds, couldn't find anyone open, as the Rockets played probably the best defense of their life and won the game through their defense. So we had two great Game 7s that led us to the opening of the semifinals for both conferences. Now, at this moment, we're not too deep into any of the series. No one has won any three games, so no one's facing elimination at the moment. So I'll just offer a little bit of what I think is going to happen. In the Western Conference, this, this might seem a little bit harsh, but Lakers and Clippers, they have it secured, honestly, The Denver Nuggets and the Houston Rockets, on the Clippers side of things, I'll be blunt. Denver Nuggets, you might as well just pack your bags now because probably by the next time I record this podcast, they'll be back home. They'll probably be back home watching the games on their couch just like me and you, the listeners. On the other side with the Lakers and Houston, Houston I could see potentially winning one or two games, but they have no one who can guard Anthony Davis, let alone LeBron James, arguably one of the greatest players of all time. So again, I could see Harden, Westbrook, and the rest of them being back home watching the games on the couch just like the rest of us. So the Western side of things, it seems like, as we expected all year, we're going to have a Lakers-Clippers conference finals where I'll offer my predictions based on how they perform in these semifinals. On the Eastern side of things, it seems to be a little bit of a toss-up. I expect the Miami Heat to pull it out against what was seen as one of the best teams in the league in the Bucks, Because Giannis doesn't appear to have that that heart in him that you usually see in the best players. It's, it's a little bit difficult to explain to people who aren't the biggest NBA fans, but there's just something you can see in a player when at the end of the game, they want the ball. They'll put it out on the line. At the end of the game, they want to be guarding the best player on the other team. They, they just have that heart where they're willing to put everything on the line to win. And at times... I don't see that from Giannis, and that's a bit concerning considering he's MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. So there's not much to be said in that series. I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if the Bucks can push it to 6 or 7, but I fully expect the Miami Heat to win, not only because they have a great coach and a well-constructed team, but they have one of those on their team. They have Jimmy Butler, who's just a dog. He's just... He has that passion in him where I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the game, he tried to guard Giannis. And on the other side of things in the East, I'll be frank here, I predicted for the Raptors to win the series. They're coming off winning an NBA championship, so they have the rare but definitely impactful championship DNA. They have a great coach. They have a great leader in Kyle Lowry. Everything seems well-constructed, but for some reason that I can't explain, they've been missing their shots. I don't know if it's the bubble. Maybe they didn't practice enough over the break. I don't know. I still believe in them having the talent and roster construction to win the series, but I would be remiss if I didn't admit that the way the Celtics have been playing, I have some doubts. Jason Tatum's looking like a star, and now they have Kemba back looking like a star as well. So you have two phenomenal scorers on the team. A defensive monster in Marcus Smart, an incredibly intelligent defender as well in Jalen Brown. Just everyone on the team is performing well. And while I'm going to stick with my pick, I'll ride it out in the Raptors. I could easily see the Celtics not only winning this series, but going to the NBA Finals. And I'll go as far as to say, as much as I believe in the Miami Heat, I think whoever comes out of the Raptors Celtics series will be making it to the NBA Finals. So that was just a, a recap on what's been going on in the NBA. I think in terms of any specific takeaways, I'm glad to see that the players have been a lot more vocal in these times their their media availability moments have been a little bit more important. There's been a lot of great sound bites, especially shout out to Taylor Rooks, a media reporter who's been getting some great sound bites from the players as they not only speak out about their experience within the bubble but their opinions on what's been going on in lieu of what happened last week, where they held out. They've been pushing what they believe is the answer. Whether you support it or not, just having held out and actually being rewarded for it by getting some of their demands, I have to applaud them for accomplishing what they did. The NFL season is also coming up, so I will be looking forward to that a little bit, even though I it seems a little bit clear to me that the NFL is chasing money. They expect to have fans back in the stands and they have almost a hundred people on every team. I have, I, I would not be surprised if the NFL ends up having to shut down from a COVID case. There's just too many players on the team, especially if they have the fans in there as well. It seems a little bit like a money grab to me, but I am a fan of football, so I'll indulge in it a little bit and just see where they go with it. And with that conclusion, that allows us to enter the last topic of the day, the gaming news, where there hasn't been anything too crazy going on in the gaming industry, but the annual event of the year, it seems like, is happening today. Where NBA 2K 21 has been released. But before I dive in that real quick, I wanted to acknowledge what's been happening with Madden 21, a less popular game, but still something that, still something that's been on a lot of people's annual calendar releases, where they released Madden 20.2. They took the same game as last year added a different design to it, and players can't even tell the difference in what they're playing. I saw that on Twitter it was trending. The studio that produces Madden Electronic Arts, also known as EA, has been getting crazy backlash. As fans have been calling for them to get booted off of the the team for Madden Video Games, they want another studio to pick it up. Personally, I knew just from seeing what was going on that they didn't... They, I don't think that Madden or 2K for that matter have been focusing too intensely on this current generation release with the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. I think they're looking forward to the next generation. But it's just funny to see these people just be outraged spending their $60 to get the same game again. So I wouldn't be surprised if bringing us to 2K, NBA 2K21 experiences something similar. I've been hearing, as of this morning, no bad news, no bad reports. People seem to be enjoying the game. They just have the typical server issues where you have millions of people logging on, and the 2K service could never handle that. They're always having their struggles, but I'll give it a week before I form a formal opinion based on what I'm seeing. If you want to know what I'm doing personally, as I've been a participant in these annual purchases, I plan at the moment on getting a PlayStation five. So I will be patient and wait to see what the next generation brings, because the way they've been hyping it up, I've been seeing all these reports from the developers saying that the next generation version is going to be a completely new game. So I will be waiting for those versions, and I promise you, listeners, if this next generation game disappoints, I will have to come onto this podcast with some rare negative energy towards that studio, because they have a lot riding on this. They haven't been putting out too high of a quality of game in recent years. Granted, 2K overall is a good game, but that studio needs to be making more upgrades in a lot of different ways. So I'll be patient with that. But other than those points, there hasn't been too much notable gaming news. I saw that for those PC gamers out there, the company NVIDIA released a crazy graphics card. They have, I believe, 8K zero loading screens for those video games that are going to be running on that. Even though I'm not personally a PC gamer, I haven't made that investment. That's going to be something to look out for as well. But other than that, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. I hope you all enjoyed. Please let me know if there's any just comments you wanted to make, anything you think I can improve on, a rating, anything that you feel towards the podcast is much appreciated. And I'll talk to you next week. This is Behold Pop Culture.